chapter 9, which is amazing, but uh, I don't know how long or how many weeks we've been on this, but hopefully you're enjoying it. The, um, it's, the very, it's very, very important that we understand that we're in a, an intense battle. This, the battle that's going on, and it started uh, some time ago. There's an initial battle that, that really basically between what they would call fundamentalist. Uh, and it's not like fundamental Baptists, but fundamental people that believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, there are a lot of people, you know, they're the, honestly, the, uh, the old Southern Baptists believe the Bible is the Word of God. There, was, there were groups from the past, uh, you know, Billy Sunday was, a, was a, I believe, a, let's see, a Presbyterian, I believe. Uh, and he believed the Bible was the Word of God, and and you know there's a lot of people through the past, but but th- there came in the you know the 1900s the uh, this real battle between modernism and you know the, the fundamental belief that the Bible is the Word of God. Well, well now it's it's become a real intense battle because we've got a generation that is trying to destroy the belief in the Word of God. Now we've got a a generation that that has gone so far that. That uh, the the moral the morality that the Bible taught they know they turn away from they they have reevaluated truth is what it comes down to uh, and just to, that's just a little bit of a preview but that's the reason that I think it's important that you teach through the Bible and that you go through the books like the Book of Romans because it's so important that we understand that that the the Word of God is just that it is the Word of God. Uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 absolute. It, it's it it, go, it should guide us in all of our decisions. It should direct us in everything that we believe. It, it's not optional. And and watch this. It, it, you, there is no new truth. It, it doesn't come and suddenly say, well, or it, this it's not relevant for for the 21st century. The Bible's relevant for all of history. Until we, until God decides that this whole thing ends and uh, we're taken out of here, the, the the Bible is still, and it's going to be relevant even then. But uh, but the fact is, is that it, it it never changes. But they're they're gone so far is that that uh, first the battle was over. You know this. Um, uh, the modernism and and uh, and and fundamentalism. It, the battle was over modern it, there, just as the over Genesis and and over you know man and 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 whether those you know whether they're stories or wh- whether it's really factual, true Genesis one through three. Uh, but now they've gone further than that. Now it's it's a battle over socially whether you know did God really create male and female. Uh, you know, now we, we get to reinterpret that and say there's, you know, that there's, uh, there's really, that's a man-made distinction, uh, that you can kind of choose whatever you want to be. And, and, it, it's, and, and you say, man, it, we, we're not at that point, surely, but we're getting there real fast. And, and we're just following the pattern of the European nations and, we're, and England and Germany. Seventy percent of Germans claim to be no, not affiliated to any church. And that's where Martin Luther was. You know, I mean, England, I forget the statistics exactly right now, but at one time I heard it was something like 90% of the people in England do not go to church or have, you know, go to church regularly or anything like that. So it's just, and that's where great revivals took place. That's, you know, that's D.L. Moody. That's, you know, that's Spurgeon. And so... 
but America is just following right in that pattern. And if the Lord tarries, that's the road that we're going down, this, this road. And, I, and I, I said probably, I don't know, five, six, ten years ago that the next wave in America is atheism. And, 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 I, and I really believe that's, that's where we're headed because of the educational system and, and the brainwashing that's going on. So all that to say, we've got to believe the book. Amen. And, and if we believe it, it's not, it's not enough. And good old Southerners have always believed it. But, but, you know, you ought to know what you believe also. And so to say we believe in the book, uh, that really, here's how we believe in it. Most of it's we believe it. Yeah, I believe it. It's a holy Bible. I believe it. Yeah, well, what does it say? And, uh, and what does it mean? And what, what does God teach in us? And so that's what we're going to do. Paul has come to the end of it. Uh, chapters 1 through 8, Paul has come to the end of the first major portion of the, of the epistles of Romans. He's presented to, to us in those first eight chapters the depravity of man, man's sinful condition. He's presented to us salvation by grace. We've talked about justification. We've talked about propitiation. Uh, we've talked about sanctification. We've talked about some of these, these things, and that's what he's, he's talked about in these first eight chapters. What he's going to do here in chapter 9, though, in the next couple of chapters, he's, he's going to relate how the gospel directly affects the Jewish people. He's going to start talking about his people, the Jews, now. And when Paul wrote the epistle to the Romans, the temple was still standing in Jerusalem. Sacrifices were still being offered. The rituals of Judaism had, were continuing. Uh, they didn't, you know, Christ had come and Christ had been uh, crucified and he had been buried and rose from the grave, but, but Judaism still continued and, and their practices still continued. Before Paul's conversion, here's what you got to understand, the, before Paul's conversion, he knew that Judaism and Christianity could not coexist. That's why he attacked Christians so just vehemently. He, he, he went so intensely to destroy Christianity because I believe Paul, in his mind, he believed that these two cannot coexist. They're not saying exactly the same thing. And so uh, after he became a Christian, I believe he realized they still couldn't coexist. And so that's where he's leading us to now in chapter 9. Of course, all this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but, this, but God used certain people, and, and, and I, I really don't fully understand how a man used a man and his personality, but yet he gave him the exact words, and so all how that all blends together, but God can do a lot of things I don't understand. So, uh, but if you go to Romans chapter 9, verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I, w I, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the, giving of the law and the service of God and the promises Whose are the fathers, and of, of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
That is, that they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now, when you just read through that, that can get, again, it can get wordy and get a little bit of confusing, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's honestly a pretty relatively simple passage, but we're going to go into it. Paul makes it clear with verse 1 of chapter 9 that he is speaking the absolute truth about which he is about to speak. And it's like saying, what I'm about to tell you is the absolute truth, so don't question it, don't doubt it. It's just, he just, before he speaks, he says, I want you to understand what I'm about to say, you may not understand, you may not grasp, you may not like. He said, but before I even speak, I want you to understand this, I'm going to tell you the truth. He's a good old southerner, okay? He's just looking at him and he just says, hey, bless God. What I'm about to say, you better listen up, boy, because I'm going to tell you the truth. And what I say, don't question it, because what I'm telling you is the truth. And, you know, I, I like people that, that it's very important that people understand that what they're saying is the truth. You know, when I, when I speak, I want people to say, take seriously what I say. I want them to believe that I'm saying the truth. And, and I think it was very important to Paul. He was he's saying, now you've heard a lot of people, and you've heard some people that lie about everything, and you've heard p- some people that manipulate stuff, and you've heard some people that twist the truth. But he looked at him and said, listen to me, I'm about to tell you the absolute truth. And then see what, he's, what he has to say. He probably knows some will try to question what he says or negate what he says, And he wants to make clear before that happens that everyone reading what he is writing knows that it's the truth. And here's what he says. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So he's saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying to you. And what I'm saying to you, the Holy Ghost has prompted me to say it. Oh, wow, that's, that's really important. When Mike called today and he said, uh, he said that, he said, man, I even hate to ask you this. He said, but, uh, you know, is it possible that mom could come here? Well, uh, there's only one person here that know this, but, but on, on Sunday, <laughs> when uh, Knucklehead was walking out of the building, uh, <laughs> uh, when Kobe was walking out of the building, he said to me, he said, I'm ready to go back to Africa. And I, and I, you know, I said, I'm ready for you too. Just go anywhere. But then, no, uh, I said, well, I'm sure they'd be glad if you go, you know, if you want to go right now, I'm sure they'd be glad for the visit. And, and, but I, then I paused and I said, but you know what I really need to do? I really need to get Joe Beth there. I just felt like I need to get Joe Beth there. So when Mike asked me today, I said, look, don't worry about it. God already told me Sunday that it was time I needed to get you there. And so that's kind of what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, what I'm, what I'm saying, it's not something I thought. It's not something I just thought would be a good statement. The Holy Spirit prompted my heart to say this. And so he says it's not the, just a fact or a forced fact, but it's the truth from the heart of God through the Holy Spirit to me. What is this truth, this heartfelt, Holy Spirit-led statement that Paul must relay? What is this very important statement? This is what he says, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart 
For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Wow, that's a huge statement. You see, I think this is why he said this. I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this because Paul is saying that I love them so much. And his kinsmen, he's talking about the Jewish people. And he's saying, I love them so much that if I could go to hell so that they could go to heaven, I would do it. You love anybody that much? And you remember, he prefaced it. Now, this is not an exaggerated statement. He prefaced it and said, I'm telling you the absolute truth. I'm not lying to you because what I'm about to tell you was prompted by the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, if they would just get saved, I'd be willing to go to hell for them to do it. That's pretty amazing. That's amazing. The truth is what he's saying, but even to a greater extent, he's saying what Brother Jesse preached Sunday night. He said, I thirst for these people to be saved. But even past the thirst, it's even more intense and powerful than that. Paul not only says he has a strong desire that Israel might be saved, but such an intense desire that he would truly give up his own eternity. He would go to hell himself if it meant that the people of Israel would trust Christ. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know somebody else said the same thing. It's very similar to the heart and desire of Moses for the people that he led. Exodus chapter 32, verse 31, Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, listen to this, yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses says, let me go to hell. He's saying, I think if I read this right, he's saying, if you're not going to take them, then don't take me either. Now, Paul revisits the promises that had been given to Israel by God. He, 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 wants, to, he wants the Israelites, and I believe as he's writing here, he's wanting the Jewish people to understand his heart, his passion. And you know what he's doing? He's, he's trying to, forgive me, but God's allowing him to sort of soften their hearts a little bit before he ever starts speaking. I believe everything he says is the absolute truth, but he's saying, I really, I, I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. He said, I care about you so much that, that literally the Spirit of God has prompted me to say that I would, I would literally go to hell. I would die and lose my salvation for you if you would just get saved. And he says, now, but let me next, he's going to remind them how blessed they are. He said, look, do you understand? You're very special chosen people. And he's about to go in how they are. How they they are, these people, uh, God loves them so much that he wants them to be saved. And can I again kind of relay it to us a little bit? We're pretty blessed to be here in America and blessed to have heard the gospel and blessed to have come to a church like Calvary Baptist Church. 
Paul revisits these promises that have been given to Israel by God. God had dealt graciously with Israel. The Jewish, Jews were and an are God's chosen people. We here in America can sometimes think that we're special, but we are the ones who have been engrafted into the vine. We are not God's original choice. And that's why we need to pray for the peace in Israel because, listen to me, they're still God's chosen people. And you may, you may, not, you may not feel like you, you like some of the things that people do in Israel, but, but they are, God doesn't even like everything the Israelites do. But, but I'm telling you, they're still his chosen people, and he says we're still supposed to pray for them. But here's what he says. The, the scripture says, verse 4, it says, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth, listen to these Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Man, he's, he's looking at him saying, do you understand who you are? Do you understand how much God has blessed you? And I say to us again here, Every one of us sitting in this room tonight, do you understand how much God has blessed us? And how much God has given us and the responsibility that he has given us? The Jewish people were those who were adopted, who were chosen to bring glory to God. They had been chosen to receive the covenants of God. They had received the, the covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. They were, the renewal of the covenant with Isaac and Jacob, the Mosaic covenant, or the covenant with Moses, the, the Davidic covenant, the covenant with David. They had received the laws of Moses. The laws of God were given to the Jews first. The priesthood, and the, the priesthood and the service for God was given to the Jewish people. The messianic promises of God were given to the Jews. These are so incredibly blessed people. God said everything he was going to do was going to be done through them. Even the genealogy of Christ came through the Jews. Christ would come in the flesh through the flesh of Jewish people. And so... He's trying to get across to them how much they are blessed. Now, watch this. When they rejected, and this is not part of the teaching here directly, but it is. When they rejected, we were engrafted in, and everything, the responsibility, or they were given the responsibility to care for, to protect the Word of God. Uh, they were given the responsibility to to preserve the Word of God, to propagate the Word of God. The Jews did not do that, and it was given to the Gentiles. Do you understand that we have been given much now? Great responsibility. Now, so Jesus would come through the flesh of a Jewish person, but sadly, as Scripture teaches in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, it says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And again, it's, a, it's kind of getting way ahead of ourselves, a, a teaching in a different place, but they didn't receive him. Well, the Lord's going to come to the Gentiles. And so, but verse 6 allows us to see the failure of man, uh, that the failure of man does not negate the promises of God. And always get that, that, that uh, we'll look at it and say, well, God promised all these things and promised all these things to the Jews, but, but 
you know, where are the Jews now and, and what's, what's happened to all these promises? The failure of man does not negate the promises of God. The promise, God's promises to man is true. It, 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 the failure is not, is not God. The failure is man. <clears throat> so, verse 6, it says, not as though the word of God had taken none effect. And that's what it's saying. It's saying, don't think that God's promises have none effect, that they, they weren't really promises or they weren't, uh, they weren't strong. Uh, it's the problem's not God or his promises. The promise, problem is with man. He says, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And that's kind of a unique statement. They are not all Israel, which, were, which are of Israel. Now, this is a very important verse where it makes clear that even though some of Israel did not receive the promises, especially the messianic promise of Jesus, this does not make God's promises of none effect. God is making it clear that not all Jews receive or accept the promise. But clearly, some do and have. The failure of man, again, does not negate God's promises to man. It leads us to verse 7. Verse 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'm not sure what's going on in my throat. I think Brother Wayne did something to me. Didn't he? Neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they called, uh, they all, sorry. Neither because are they the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. You see, even some who would claim to be Jews of the seed of Abraham and they're rejectors of Christ, they were not given the promise in the first place. Not talking about salvation, but all these other things that Paul had just listed, those weren't to the, the seed of Abraham, but the seed of Abraham through Hagar. They didn't, that, those promises weren't to them. The covenants weren't with them. These are those that have the seed of Abraham, but they are not recipients of the promises, the laws, the covenants of God. You see, some were the seed of Abraham, but they, but they were not the seed of Isaac. Those of the promise are the seed of Abraham through the seed of Isaac. Verse 8 will help us with that. It says, that is... They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now, he's saying, God says, I've got, I have a particular group of Jewish people that I, the promises, the covenants, the law was given to, the service, everything was given to. But they're not of the flesh. Now, what is he talking about there? He's talking about that Abraham, through, forgive me, through fleshly desire, through fleshly intent, he had a relationship with, with a handmaid, with, with Hagar, to, to have a child, Ishmael. And God's saying the promises are not through the lineage of Ishmael, not through the flesh. No, they're through the promise that God made uh, to Abraham and Sarah. The child of Abraham and Hagar was not the child of promise, but as God describes, and this is God's description, he's the child of the flesh. God says children, and he uses the word children, not child. He says because all the offspring of Ishmael would be the children of the flesh. And so they're not recipients 
of these promises, these covenants, these laws. They're not recipients of that. It doesn't mean they're you're destined for hell or, uh, or, you know, they can get saved like anybody else can get saved. They're just like we as Gentiles, we, we are not the children of the promise. We are not the children of the covenant, of, of the Abrahamic covenant. We're not children like that. Oh, we are not the chosen people that way. Neither were they. There was one chosen people through one lineage. Does this all make sense to everybody? All right, so God says children, not child, because the offspring of Ishmael would be the children of the flesh. You see, Ishmael was a child conceived in doubt, through the fleshly wisdom and desire of man. This is not in doubt because, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're not going to have children, so, uh, you know, a- Abraham, take the maid and, and, uh, and have a child through her. No, no, just trust God. God will take care of it. I've got a whole sermon on that eventually, uh, you know, I'll preach to you. But you see, Ishmael was a child conceived in doubt through fleshly wisdom and desire of man. This was not what God had promised. He had promised and here's what he says, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Not Ishmael, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so it, 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 the promise, the Abrahamic promise, uh, comes, it comes through Isaac, and, and it's renewed in Isaac and Jacob. And so verse 8, it says, <clears throat> that which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. This is made totally clear with the concise factual statement you find in verse 9. Now look at verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. God just makes it real clear. He said, if you, in case you don't understand anything I just said, it's real simple, real clear. He says, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. You see, Genesis 17, 19 says this. It says, And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him. For as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. So it's not like they have been condemned to hell. You know, Ishmael is being blessed, but the promise, the covenant was not through Ishmael. It was through Isaac. And he says, and it gets verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this, time, at this set time in the next year. Now, this is in Genesis chapter 17, 19 through 21. So it's, it's made so just absolutely clear that what God is saying here, that the Israelites, Paul starts, starts out by saying, I would die if they would just get saved. I would go to hell if they would just get saved. And they've been so blessed. They've been given the laws. They've been given the priesthood. They've been given the covenants. They, they've been given the promises. This is the chosen people, incredible people. And he said, just because they've rejected does not negate God's promises. And he said, understand, not all, what he's really saying, not all that have rejected we, were given the promises in the first place. He said, you think they were, but they weren't because it's not all who call themselves Jewish people. It's not all the seed of Abraham. It's only the promise, the covenant was with Abraham and Sarah, their seed, 
Isaac. And so it's such a, a, a simple thing, and it's what this whole battle that's going on, and, and you know, while we have these uh, terrorist attacks over in, in, in England right now, it's because of, of this one decision that was a horrible decision for them to jump ahead of God and have a son named Ishmael. And listen, he didn't have to make a decision that way. Uh, I forget who was asking, maybe it was Jesse asking me, uh, talking about Ishmael and and you know you, you come under you come you're trained in the in the home of Abraham and taught in the home of Abraham. You see Isaac is in the taught in that same home and Isaac follows God and Isaac serves God, but Ishmael goes away. And I told him, why is that? I don't think it was the failure of Abraham to train him. I think it was the hurt that came in Ishmael's life. It wasn't because he didn't receive the promises. It wasn't because God cursed him. It wasn't because God uh, said, no, you're not good enough. I'm only going to... No, it wasn't that at all. It was the same old thing that is happening today. When you get up to be a teenager and all of a sudden, daddy and mama tell you to get out of the house and not only leave, but go out in the desert and die, I got a feeling that you might carry some hurt and bitterness. It's called rejection, and through rejection, you have a lot of things that go on, a lot of emotions and a lot of things go on. And so it wasn't totally the fact that he made this horrible decision to have a son. He said, we've never had the son. No, the truth, I believe, if he had had the son... But not, that son had not had to go through the rejection that he went through. Now, he may have been faced with it anyway because the promise was not coming to him no matter how. So he may have felt rejection but anyway. But, but do you see that, I just throwing this out because do you understand it's very important that we make sure that everybody feels loved. Nobody feels rejected. Because rejection is a devastating thing, and it almost always leads to bitterness. And bitterness almost always leads to rebellion, and rebellion leads to destruction. And that's what we have today. It all began with a rebellious spirit that came from rejection and bitterness. All right. Father, I pray that you'd bless.